0: to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the mediabias.com com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. My name is David, and I got myself a brand. <laughs> you think I wasn't going to say you?
1: No, I, I just, it's I, I started to, I'd forgotten the fun of the got myself a brand. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's good to have it back.
2: We've got, we've got double the dog today, so if you hear extra barks and collars, that's, uh, we are absent TJ and we are plus his dog. So yep. she will be joining us to talk about what she's watched today.
0: Yep. <laughs> when three dog night is a bit too much
1: dog, you get yourself two dogs. <laughs> what she's watched is TJ's dog has watched Jurassic Park 73 times in <laughs> <laughs> the last week. <laughs>
0: Um, but on this podcast, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, uh, go into a little bit of the week's film news, and wrap up with what you should be watching this weekend in the movie theater. <laughs> That's how we say it, right? Yeah. But uh, first, our watch list. Anyone want to go
2: first? I do. Not a lot to say for me. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do reality at the end, but mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime... I pretty much just watched a uh, a series on YouTube. It's from the magazine Bon Appetit. Huh. Um, <clears throat> this guy, Brad Leone, has this series uh, called It's Alive. And it's really funny, really smartly edited. He kind of takes you through, uh, I don't know why, but <clears throat> uh, fermentation in cooking. Uh, and just kind of goes through like a bunch of recipes where fermentation is a thing, so... Sauerkraut, kimchi, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really funny. And they're like 13 to 20 minute episodes. So they're TV length to me, but I watched a whole season of it. And that's pretty much all I watched this week. uh, Except for one thing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, But yeah, that's it. I've been watching... What do you like about the... uh... <clears throat> he's got a great charisma mm-hmm. um, almost like a uh, I'd rather be doing anything other than this um, but he's also just a catchphrase maniac mm-hmm. uh, the guy who's running the camera's name is Vincent and he calls him Vinny, and he's got a Boston accent mm-hmm. so like they'll be they'll do an episode where they like go out in the woods and start a three-stage fire and he shows like this is how you live like a king when you're camping and can cook really well mm-hmm. um, but so he'll like set up the fire and be like ha, Vinny, look at that fire going. Who's better than us? And, like, <laughs> they'll just say, like, who's better than us? Or who's better than me? <laughs> um, but it's it really is the, his charisma and also the editing. Because, like, because he's from the Northeast, he says water. And mm. so there's always an ongoing water count of how many <laughs> times he says it. And they spell it on the screen. W-O-U-R-D-E-R. Um, or, like, when he's getting into... Because fermentation is, like, science. It's, like exact in like the amount of grams you need, the percentage of salt you need in the brine mm-hmm. to ferment something sure, <clears throat> to prevent like botulism, which is apparently the, the big risk with fermenting any yeah. food. Um, <clears throat> but so it'll like pop up a little chalkboard of what he says are the ingredients. he will be like, yeah, it's a sweet spot with the temperature. You need like uh, 70 degrees is the sweet spot or, you know, 80 degrees or 75. Yeah, somewhere in there. That's the sweet spot. And they'll show them like, chalking off like the incorrect temperatures and in the right ones and mm-hmm. circling it. And, I don't know. It's clever. It's cute. So pretty good editing with it. Yeah. Nice. Um, but other than that, I really haven't been watching much. Work kind of blew up in my face this week. And uh, so I caught a couple episodes of um, Champs versus Stars and the challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not super exciting. Dave, I know you're not really watching it yet, are you?
0: I'm watching all of it. And I'm ready to unload. Okay. And I get to... Reality corner,
2: <laughs> um, and then. But other than that, I guess I'm watching
1: uh, Lost in Space. We're still liking it. Nice. I watched a few movies this week. No, no real TV for me to talk about. I'm just very casually watching Parks and Rec. So.
0: Oh, we are too.
1: That's right uh, yeah. So. Uh, what season just, are enjoy- you in? I'm in season. It's our first season on City Council.
0: Spoilers. Got gotcha. <laughs> um, We're we're at the. Uh, I think we're towards the end of the second season. And I forget, like, how much the show's amnesia with Mark Brandanowitz is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like a second or third rewatch of the whole series. I think the first time I just skipped the first whole season. And The first season
1: is by far the worst, Yeah, I think.
0: It doesn't really know what Leslie is. Like, they make her more of a Michael Scott, mm-hmm. where she doesn't know what she's doing. And she gets drunk and is not great at her job, and that's not the best part of Parks and Rec.
1: Right. And also, they, they also don't know quite what they're doing with, with Tom yet, either. Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: Tom's super, like, mean for no reason. He's, he's still, like, you know, sarcastic and
1: biting, but he's, like, spiteful in the first season. And also, Andy is very dislikable. He's mm-hmm. very unlikable in the first season. because yeah, he's, like, bro-y, bro-y boyfriend who's taking advantage of, of Rashida Jones. Yeah, yeah, And Perkins. Uh, Yeah, Um, yeah. So I think the turning point is when Mark leaves. That's around the time Andy gets to be likable and to be one of the main characters, and that's when the show really finds its footing. I think they. I wonder if they knew what a star they had with Chris Pratt. Like, I I think clearly by season two or three they did, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I wonder at the beginning if they if they knew because I've heard that he would just be the one who would have like like. Reels and reels of him just uh, making everybody laugh with his random, either like farting in the middle of a scene or
0: super recommends like the twenty-minute-long YouTube things of like Parks and Rec outtakes. Season, yeah. Most of them are just like Chris Pratt and they're hilarious. I I,
2: I love one of the outtakes where he's Burt Macklin in the club and he tells April like, "Slap me," and then he goes, "Slap me again." She does and she goes. You're weird. He
1: goes. I've got a boner, <laughs> and it's like actual Chris Pratt breaking character. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the movies I watch. So I've. Uh... Just been continuing mostly with my attempt to watch as many formerly Oscar-nominated movies <laughs> yep. as possible. Starting alphabetically, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm going alphabetically. So uh, please, please,
2: alpha So started with the numbers, and now right. we're into letters.
1: So, uh, David, I'm curious because David's our uh, our Oscar walking encyclopedia here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you will know this movie. It earned Julie Christie a 1997 Best Actress nomination.
0: That's the movie with, uh, is that the movie with, um, is Nick Nolte in that? Nick
1: Nolte is in that movie. Afterglow. Afterglow is correct. Well done. Yeah, I watched that movie. So that is a, uh, it, it is, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a play. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Nick Nolte and Julie Christie are a married couple who, he's a plumber who just like goes and sleeps with his clients. Like, all the housewives who call him to fix their plumbing, so to speak. And, uh... like double entendre come to life. It's it's really on the nose. And, uh... And and she's, like, okay with it. They had, like, falling out many years earlier. She's kind of just... I don't know. Depressed. And then they meet in different ways. They meet another married couple. And they both start kind of falling for each half of the other married couple. Nick mm -hmm. Nolte... Winds up hooking up with uh, Laura Flynn Boyle in a really weird pairing for 1997. And, but uh, echoed her future relationship with, uh, was it, who did she date? Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's probably true. And then uh, Julie Christie with Johnny Lee Miller is one of the strangest movie romance pairings ever. The, I thought the movie was awful. Mm. I actually thought this was just terrible. I, I think that maybe Julie Christie got the nomination because, A, she hadn't done anything in a while, and everybody was just like, yay, Julie Christie's back, and yeah. we love Dr. Zhivago. And also, standing next to Johnny Lee Miller in a lot of scenes makes you look like a phenomenal performer. <laughs> uh, Johnny Lee Miller of Hacker's fame? Of Hacker's fame. yeah, Of footnote to Angelina Jolie's career fame. <laughs> yeah, um... Nick Nolte was really good in the movie. Everything else is just uh, overacted and awful. I thought. Um, don't recommend Afterglow. Uh, I also watched uh, a 2006 Mads Mikkelsen film, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film. Um, you know where I'm at in the alphabet, so you should that should give you a hint. 2006. I know a couple years ago he had the the Hunt,
0: which was a uh, um, best foreign language, mm-hmm.
1: but. Um, this also starred the man who played, I assume, Ouv in A Man Called Uv. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very familiar with his War. <laughs> uh, no, it's called After the Wedding. Oh, I've seen that movie. Oh,
0: do you like that movie? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was great. It, it's it's about a wedding, and he does like humanitarian work in Africa, and comes home something it, like
1: that. It, so it's it's weird. He it's it starts with him doing huma- uh, humanitarian work in Africa. He is trying to get a grant from this billionaire in Mm. Denmark and to like fund a lot of schools and whatnot in, uh, in Africa. And he, he comes home to try to, he, for some reason, he's not sure why, but the billionaire is demanding that he come meet with him Mm -hmm. and he flies back to Denmark meets with him. And then the, the billionaire just sort of offhand invites him to his daughter's wedding which is, like, the next day, which is that weekend. And then, I don't even want to say too much. I want to recommend this movie to people because there are just a lot of unexpected twists to this uh, to this movie. Mads Mikkelsen is such a good actor. It's it's the kind of movie that made me appreciate him. And, like, man, he really is good in everything he's in.
0: Yeah, I remember, I think Casino Royale was the first thing I saw him in. And then I... Uh... I knew about this just because of the Oscars and rented it from blockbuster like 10
1: years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's kind of a melodrama in parts too. And a, a lot of the things you, I mean, you could, I could see somebody rolling their eyes at it, but I thought it was extremely well done. Uh, really, really enjoyed that movie.
0: Yeah. Great human moments mm-hmm. in it. I really great recommend acting.
1: it. Uh, I actually went to the theater and saw the new Joaquin Phoenix movie. You were never really here. And, uh, I went with, uh, absolutely no idea of what this movie was about mm. or was, um, a friend invited me to go see it with him and I did and, uh, you still don't know what it's about.
2: Well, it <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a, it's a movie by a director, Lynn Ramsey, who did, we need to talk about Kevin, which was a very, uh. Mm. Devastating movie to watch. I
0: think she's done some mumblecore stuff too. She may have done. Uh, she's definitely done some Mark Duplass movies. He, she may have done Hump Day. Hmm. It's like one of the early mumblecore movies. And you see her name pop up on like TV comedies. Like I'll watch a new girl. I'm like, uh, re watching new girl too and like her name will pop
1: up. Oh my god, I can't imagine <laughs> the, the, the same person directing an episode of New Girl hmm. as this. Really brutal revenge movie about uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays a guy who I don't know if he exclusively goes and rescues children who have been abducted for like sex rings, mm-hmm. but that's certainly all he seems to do in the movie. There are elements of this movie which made no sense, like, but it was still pretty enjoyable and it was still really well done. Has a score from Johnny Greenwood. It's sort of an 80s style vibe to it. And it's really good. The score is the best thing about the movie. Interesting. Um, Phoenix, he's really good. He's a good actor. Yeah. He he obviously picks a lot of weird things to be in. But he's really good in it. Um, But it's it's sort of about him taking on a a case, so to speak. Uh, And it kind of... Unraveling in front of him as he's Mm. as he's in the process of trying to find the girl. So, anyway, it is it's a hard movie to recommend because it's just so like brutal and violent, and Mm. the the subject matter is not really fun. So, yeah, bummed the dog out (laughs) just talking about this movie. You should, hey dog, you should hear me talk about. We need to talk about Kevin because. (laughs) <laughs> this will be a ray of sunshine next to that movie but no uh, it's really good so if you're into that kind of thing I definitely would recommend it but yeah.
0: it's uh it's a slyly timely because it was uh, it was in Cannes last year and Cannes going on this year it won either actor director or writing out of Cannes last year Um, I think it upset some some bigger more mm. prestige fair because it's a real all I know is like it's really gritty and brutal mhm do you guys know what won the Palme d'Or last year?
1: Ended no. up being
0: an Academy Award nominee. Foreign
1: Project. Shape of Water. No. Clumps. It is a
0: foreign language nominee.
1: Oh, uh, is it the, the Square? The Square. Oh, won the Palme d'Or last
0: year. Nice. Terry yeah. no Terry. Yep. <laughs> um,
1: and then the, the last movie. This was a rewatch for me, but it might as well have been a first time watch because uh, I did not remember a thing from this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. 2001... Nominated for Best Visual Effects and something else, but uh, AI, Artificial Intelligence. Mm. Um, Holy crap, I love this movie. Hmm. I did not like it when it first came out, when I watched it when I was like 17, 18 years old.
0: I still have not seen it other than we went to the theater with our mom and our mom left the theater. Yeah. That's the only thing I really remember about it, besides uh, um, Jude Law is like Johnny Handsome or something. He's pretty good. Gigolo, little, Joe. Like, gigolo Joe. Gigolo Joe. Yeah.
1: Way Johnny. different. Way Johnny
0: different, Hansen.
2: David. We had a different idea of what like the uh, gigolos were when we were growing
0: up. It was the Sam's <laughs> Choice <laughs> version of Gigolo Joe. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I don't know. I, that movie is beautiful. And that that's... I don't know. I, I loved it. Really loved it. I think it's one of Spielberg's best movies. Wow. I also remember seeing it when I was about that age and thinking, like, this is not a good movie. I thought the same thing when I was that age.
0: I should rewatch it then because uh, we're all in the same camp then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... It definitely was It was weird to me when it... when. But it's, it's aged pretty well, too. The visual effects still look pretty good. That's the amazing thing about Spielberg movies from the 90s, mm-hmm. from 20 years ago, is that the visual effects still look pretty good. Like, he knows... They do a really good job of masking, like, special effects
2: behind, like, you know, an out-of-focus shot or, you know, just, like, blending in CGI and green screen work into, <clears throat> like, live action. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why, like... Spielberg is so great with big visual effects is like, Jaws and Jurassic Park stand up today because it's all practical effects. Mm-hmm. And then when he finally got his hands on more digital special effects, like it, he still like kept that same ethos. I wonder if we'll say that in 20 years about Ready Player One. <laughs> I don't know. I still need to see it. It's, it's still on our list.
0: I, I haven't seen it. It just looks like a straight up cartoon. Looks like more Tintin than Jurassic Park.
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be. It Like, the entire thing takes place in a virtual world. True. I, tra- I trapped
0: myself there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll compare it to the virtual world we're in in 20
1: years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Versus the virtual world of 2018.
1: <laughs> uh But, yeah, that's... I would definitely recommend... I would like to hear what people think about a rewatch of AI, like, 18 years after the fact. Because that is... uh Yeah, it's a movie I, I really remember disliking. Um... Back when I thought, like, uh, I don't know, Super Troopers was, like, the the, the, the pinnacle of cinema. Yeah. So how is, how <laughs> like is Super Troopers doing? Oh, I'm not sure. The second one? Yeah.
0: yeah. I think they made more than they thought they were going to. So, uh, I think they made, like, maybe $15 million or something. Which, for that, mun- that budget and that stuff it's all like... It's
1: crowdfunded, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Either Indiegogo or a Kickstarter for mm-hmm. it. I think it was m- it moderately successful enough to make them keep do stuff.
1: This is hilarious.
2: It's got a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Hmm. So if you like Super Troopers, you'll love it. If you look at it critically, it's not a good movie. Hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, and I, wasn't, I didn't mean to bash Super Troopers. No, no, no. no, no, no. I'm just trying to think of a movie that I, I, I watched a lot when I was like... Eighteen, nineteen, and haven't watched it in probably a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but no, actually, Haley Joel Osment's amazing in that movie. I, I actually don't know which I would pick between it or Sixth Sense as his best performance. But, uh, Well, he's still acting. <laughs> oh, well, with that in mind, I don't know which I would pick between it or Sixth Sense He's his best performance. <laughs> he's on, he was on Silicon Valley for a while as
2: like a, uh, <clears throat> VR like genius it's like a Lucky Palmer type yeah it's weird seeing fat Haley Joel Osment he's just got such a big head now such a potato yeah <laughs>
0: such a potato <laughs> alright well I haven't watched uh, is that the end of your watch <laughs> yes <laughs> and now your watch is ended <laughs> your watch has ended uh, I haven't watched a ton I'll, I'll touch on some weird TV I'm watching not weird in that it's weird stuff but uh, I don't know weird preamble but uh, finished up Queer Eye the kind of reimagining of the old series mm-hmm. yeah um, just I think it's only eight episodes or something just a delight to be with those guys and those
1: stories mm-hmm. Ashley actually, uh, actually watched it and uh, when it came out and I I caught like an episode or two and I agree just very delightful it's always
0: a, a challenge at the end for me it's like am I going to get emotional at the very end <laughs> I know it's coming. It's like a formula about what they do, and it's like they all just like love each other, and they're going, you know, overlooking differences, and we're more alike than we're different, and they're so grateful, and they tear up, and their lives are better,
1: and it's like, oh,
0: I did cry at this
1: one. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I lost. Speaking of, uh, see, I wouldn't feel as bad about getting like a little emotional about that show, but the the one that always like irritates me, and I, I hardly ever watch this show, but it is the same formula for every episode. And it pulls on your heartstrings every single time, and that's uh, undercover boss. Undercover boss. Yeah,
0: I was gonna compare it at first because yeah. it's so like silly, like a fake ass goatee, and they give him yeah. like um, give him highlights <laughs> like for for his hair. It's some blonde, some frosted tips, <laughs> but at the end, it's like he's changing these people's lives, and that just gets me. Yeah,
1: With, they all they always find that one employee who's just like somehow working twenty five hours a day. It's like the yeah. most talented person in America who yeah. likes to draw in their spare time. Yeah, they they're ten, a single
2: parent, ten and, kids living out of their car, and all of their paycheck goes to like their church.
1: And, yeah, and, <laughs> and they start like a, a you know future leaders program within the company and they make them the, the, the star first candidate Yeah, and you, mm-hmm. everybody cries. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because
2: I think back to my days working like uh, like really corporate like food jobs mm. and like if the CEO to Domino's Pizza ever showed up I wouldn't know who the fuck he was goatee or not right <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't I didn't know who that guy was
0: he could like, have showed up with like a crisp button down and khakis and I'd be like
2: alright with, with, with a name tag that said, a white guy. That, said, that said CEO and I'd be like alright I guess we're getting audited today and and it's like oh. so
0: CEO this is how you make the, piece, the pizza <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's a name tag that says Joe Domino <laughs> Yeah, cause this that, is my pizza. I guess I because guess if you're working at like a Papa John's and you know what John Schlatter looks like, Yeah. then like... But none of these companies are like that either. They're all like, here's the CEO of Home Depot. Who knows what that fucking guy looks like?
1: Right.
0: And I feel like there was diminishing... I don't know we'd do such an undercover boss tangent, but <laughs> later seasons, like they don't get the biggest companies. It'll be like Landshark Brewing. Yeah. <laughs> there would be like some offshoot of like Roto-Rooter plumbing guy. I <laughs> saw <That's laughs>
1: one that was like a, it was like is similar to Hooters but based in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Cha-chas. Yeah. And then he was really upset with the way they treated the women at his restaurants. It's like I don't know man. Might be your business model Maybe man. you
0: don't like it but you cannot tell me you're surprised. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh. But uh, yeah it's, it's a great show and it's an easy watch especially in the background. I recommend Queer Eye. But I won't recommend. <laughs> this is the bone I have to pick. Every single time, Anthony, the like the food guy, like his entire thing is like, oh, here's do avocados <laughs> like, and make grilled cheese, and like that's his advice to everybody is like cut up avocados and just like make grilled cheese on a pan. And, like, you're not transforming everybody. So there's the guy who's, like, you know, doing construction in the house and giving them organizational tools. And it's, like, the people who, like, here's your new wardrobe we've, like... And the guy who's, like, we're going to give you a whole new look. And this guy's, like, you should probably make grilled cheese every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't be paid the same. There <laughs> should be, like, a... I don't know. I just had a bone to pick with that guy.
1: And <laughs> throw in some avocados. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's also a nice... uh it's a nice thrill if you're an Atlanta native, just seeing all the places they're at, because they're... Oh, cool. I didn't know it was up there. Yeah, they're posted up in Atlanta, and uh, <coughs> specifically in Cabbage Town. Oh. Yeah, their HQ is in Cotton Mill Stacks, um, which... Uh, I wonder
2: if that's what they were filming when we were moving out of there, because they were, they were looking for somebody's loft when we were there. Yep.
0: And Ooh. they're in the... Uh, either the building or adjacent where I actually used to live, so I saw some of the stuff there. Neat. But I like it. Cool. Do you want um, to see movies? I have some more more TV. It,
2: well, keep talking on TV. You said that you had, a, a, but weird shows you wanted to talk about, and then you said they weren't weird. Your preamble was weird. <laughs> That's true. Also, now uh, our recap was weird. <laughs> I don't have a ton to say about it, but a Great British Baking
0: Show has now become an important element of my daily life, especially when we're making uh, making food and eating food. And uh, it started when my daughter was born. Like we finally. Uh, took the plunge. Everyone said it was great and so comforting, and it st- totally is. Mary Berry and everyone is just human Xanax. Yeah, watching that.
2: There, there is an emptiness you will feel in your soul when you run out of episodes. Well, we're on the last
0: season
1: on there. Oh, draw it out.
2: So
0: there's no more back to backs
2: anymore.
1: I'm like, we're only doing one a day now. You've got to ration it. <laughs> this is this is only tangent, tangent tangentially yep. related. Yeah, that's a that's a word that it's. I've just realized I've typed many times and have never said out loud. But, uh, no, uh, I saw Mary Berry on the Graham Norton show recently. And uh, Matt LeBlanc was also on the couch. And he was talking about the episode of Friends where uh, Rachel makes the the trifle. Trifle, yeah. And it combines it with shepherd's pie, I think. And uh, so it's like the meat trifle. Mary Berry had clearly never heard of this episode. Mm. She was just... So upset at the idea of him <laughs> mixing all like all these like foods and and whatnot with uh, it's like pudding, custard, and and meatloaf, strawberry <laughs> jam, and... yeah. And so it was just so funny to see her face during that him talking about it because like it's a fairly famous episode of Friends, like famous you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: scene, yeah.
0: Alright, and last, uh, last TV thing I'm watching is uh, just catching up on Steven Universe. Uh, again, just like a, a very pleasant show, great songs, nice uh, voice talent. It's got uh, Estelle, who did the uh, that Kanye-produced song, American Boy. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, one of the main characters. She's got a great voice. And uh, Tom Sharpling is Steven Universe's dad. He's a big The Show fan. It's just really fun to, to hear him. Yeah, she's very imaginative. Imaginative show, I think we've talked about it before, it's also super progressive when it comes to um, identity, sexuality, stuff like that, couched yeah. in this kids' TV show. Also with a, a super bizarre backstory. Um, yeah. I started watching the ones that were on uh, like Comcast On Demand, and it was like season
2: four. And it's like fucking wild at that yeah, point. Yeah, right in the
0: middle of it. So I just did a recording for it, just like anytime it comes on... I'm gonna do it. So they repeated the first season, and it's still kind of like that. <laughs> just like you just start, and it's kind of bizarre.
2: Yeah. The uh, the episode with um, I think the Onion Boy. Yeah. Is so weird. Mm-hmm. There's just this boy from Steven's school. If Stephen goes to school, I mm-hmm. don't really know. He's never in school. Right. But like Connie's always studying. Connie. Connie. Yeah. Um but who's just, like, quiet and menacing. Like, you know the the meme, the, the image of the little girl who's kind of smiling at the camera while there's a house on fire behind her? Yeah. it's a, He's, like, that kind of character. <laughs>
1: he just but never talks. Strange. We'll just, like,
0: nod his head or frown.
2: Yeah. It's a great show, though.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. As far as movies I've watched, uh, started watching just for no reason at all other than I like it. It's on Netflix. Uh, when we did our lists of the best of the years, it's my favorite of... 1997, L.A. Confidential. Allison had never seen it, and I figured she'd appreciate the costumes and the the vintage stuff of the 50s, and uh, it's such a great movie. I often forget how it begins because I've picked it up so many different times, Mm -hmm. but uh, it is just so masterfully crafted. All like the the three kind of story arcs that are going, like the three detectives you're following.
1: Sorry, keep going. I'm just going to interrupt with a book question, and I know that's, uncouth here. Have you heard the comparison of L.A. Confidential to Wizard of Oz? No. The three detectives, uh, Bud finds a brain. Oh. Uh, what's the uh, who's the the more nerdy one? Exley? Uh, yeah, Exley one? finds... Courage? We're courage. And uh, Kevin Spacey finds a heart mm. in the movie. Jack Vincent. Jack, yeah. So, uh, I thought that was interesting. Is that an Elmore Leonard book? Uh, I think it's a James Elroy book. James
0: Elroy, okay. Yeah. He also wrote the Block Dahlia book. Okay. I like that book a lot. Movies, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good. And then the other thing I, I started watching, it's three hours long. Um, got into it because I really enjoyed, if you guys don't listen to Film Spotting, you should, but uh, they wrapped up their Film Spotting Madness, best movies of the 90s, where they go head-to-head March Madness style. Okay. And people vote on it. There's a surprise winner where uh, Fargo upset uh, Goodfellas as the best film Pulp of the 90s. Fiction. Pulp Fiction, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Goodfellas also lost in the Final Four. Mm-hmm. To Fargo. To Fargo, yeah. yeah. Um. So you watch Fargo? So, uh, in, in following them on Letterboxd and listening to them, they're putting a full year ahead of it They're putting out the, uh, because they said like 64, ends up being like 75 with a bunch of playing games. Yeah. People wanted to uh, watch all of them because they say, don't vote unless you've seen both because we just don't want to know what the most popular one is. We want to know more quality.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, But they're going to do the best of the 2000s for next March Madness and they already released on Letterboxd Mm -hmm. their list of the like 80 something movies on it. So I created a little list on Letterboxd of the only ones I haven't seen, and it's it's only about like twelve for me, but they're all either super sad or super foreign. (laughs) But I have filmstruck, so one of them, uh, the movie I've heard about for uh, a while, is called Yi Yi. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it translates to one and one. It's like a Chinese or maybe a Taiwanese movie from 2000 about like it's just like a bunch of characters around a wedding, and how these like different generations relate to each other. I've started it a whole bunch of times. Just not in the right frame of mind, and it's three full hours long. <laughs> so I'm starting through that, but I'd recommend uh, checking out their list, seeing what you've seen, and kind of... It's a, it's a fun like uh, look back at those movies.
1: I never like, seek that list out, but occasionally it'll pop up, as, 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 and so I'll, I'll glance at it. And uh, I think because the list is in alphabetical order... I noticed this actually yesterday that AI is on the list of uh yeah. movies for like nominees for best movies of two thousand. So mm-hmm. uh, so I remember watching that and just being like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that this was this is a revered movie by certain people. So Yep. But yeah, that's a that's a fun their their March Madness thing is always fun.
0: Yeah. It's in, uh it's living breathing too. Like there's a all of the posts are like you forgot about this movie, you forgot about this movie. They eventually did the uh, let in Bruges in. Um, It was it was out of the list, and they uh, finally included it. I don't know what what the discussion went into it, but it's in there now.
1: What kind of uh, what kind of comedies are on the list for the two thousands? Because I know in the nineties they did a pretty good job of they included like Dazed and Confused. They mm-hmm. included uh, some of the better comedies of the nineties. But
0: I know it's it's got some apatow ones because that's you know okay. one was dominant, the, dominant voice in right. the nineties. Uh, Or the 2000s. And I guess
1: Wes Anderson would be probably also pretty dominant. Yeah. Okay. I can
0: look it up.
1: I was just curious if any jumped out at you. uh, It's got like
0: 40-year-old virgin, but it's also got adaptation, some Charlie Kaufman stuff, Anchorman. This is alphabetically. uh, Some dark ones. Eternal Sunshine, but Fantastic Mr. Fox. Incredibles. In Bruges now. uh, Juno. It's just kind of a real... Kind of fun, list. Oh, that hit me.
1: The 2000s are going to be that's like we're getting into like peak Pixar. There's gonna be a lot of Pixar movies on that list. Yep, I would there's
0: Wally, there's Up, there's I think Ratatouille as well. And not all of these are going to make it. They do a good job of like playing stuff, like they're having Kill Bill Volume 1 versus Kill Bill Volume 2 as a playing game and kind of matching stuff up like that.
2: Cool, so they'll do like Up versus Ratatouille, yeah, probably like, like
0: four year old version versus Knocked Up, like, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Those kind of bang bang movies. Or pitting directors against themselves, or Pixar. Finding Nemo's in here, too. Um,
1: You're also going to get into, like, the, the... I wonder how much of the, the Chris Nolan fanboy base is going to uh, infiltrate the film spotting voting. Because they certainly dominate IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. They're,
2: they're they're a voracious bunch.
1: Yeah, and I say that. I mean, he makes great movies. <clears throat> he does make... He, he makes very good movies. He has... Solid consistency, but yeah, uh, I don't know. They tend to be when when one director has eight of the top like forty movies on IMDb, you roll your eyes. It's the same with Tarantino fans. Yeah, I feel yeah. like
2: I feel like it's it's something about like a, an outspoken director about how to respect the craft gives people something to hang on to and regurgitate whenever they discuss movies. Because mm-hmm. um, no and <clears throat> Tarantino seem to soapbox a lot about the only ways
1: to truly experience cinema. So, you started Yee Yee, but you didn't get very far into it?
0: No, I probably got uh, past the first ye. <laughs> That's what <I'm> yeah. <laughs> um, it, Yee. I was going to say. Yeah. But it's really good so far. I'll, I'll come back to it, and uh, maybe if I do another tackle, another one, I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, just touch on two things that aren't uh, anything movies or or TV. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: went to... Why I can? Yeah. Went to the store. It was, it was good. I recommend it. <laughs> um,
0: the fact that I can get to YouTube on my TV—I'm <laughs> about five years behind everybody else. <laughs> but uh, I, I uh, you know, just kind of brain dead. I ran through a bunch of uh, Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamers. Oh, I love oh those, those are great. There's Clueless a new one videos. out of
2: God of War that I haven't watched yet with Bill Hader.
0: That—that's the one I saw it pop up on like a, a feed somewhere. So I watched it on my TV. And they're they're pretty funny together.
1: Mm-hmm. I like him more before they started bringing in celebrities to, to play along. I liked the ones where it was uh, just him and the guy who was really like knew a lot yeah. about video games. Blair
0: Underwood,
2: yeah,
1: something Blair like that. I don't something. Know about Underwood.
0: I think that's a African American. That
2: African American actor. He actually, uh, and I'm not trying to trying to steal from Breezy, but uh, mm-hmm. Conan's new sh- Conan's show format is going to change in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to stop doing the hour long like late night show format and they're going to do just a half hour and it's going to be more kind of incorporating uh, the travel stuff that he does. And also like the remote bits that he does Um, and then have like one guest. Uh, But they want to like focus a lot on like making like good digital content as well as like, you know, premier shows Mm -hmm. and that guy Blair, he runs their, uh, their, their YouTube channel and they do streams when games come out, and it's it's Blair and another production assistant, and the two of them sit down and play games, and Conan will come in and like fuck with them and like play guitar during like some emotional scene of God of War just because he has <laughs> cause it's his show, <laughs> right?
0: But uh, him, Conan and Blair just have a really funny relationship. Blair's such a whipping boy for him; <laughs> always makes fun of him, and and uh, he just kind of takes it and. You know, it's very entertaining. There's some, some great ones out there. someone with Aaron Rodgers where he's playing... Uh, what are they playing? I just saw it. Aaron Rodgers plays... Because apparently Aaron Rodgers is a gamer.
1: Mm.
0: Cool, huh? I fucking forgot what they played. But Elijah Wood plays Final Fantasy fifteen. It's like a whole bunch of stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: He plays the... the uh, another funny one is they play Witcher the Wild Hunt, and Conan O'Brien is obsessed with just like boobies and having sex and that actually happens in the witcher so when it happens like he says blair leave
2: the room it
0: finally happened like he's always trying to talk to npcs to you know see boobies
2: right uh i'm i'm surprised they haven't tried to play fortnite with a the amount of celebrities that are playing fortnite apparently roseanne and norm mcdonald although norm mcdonald might have been just fucking with roseanne but they're both apparently playing Fortnite. Like, every Yeah, Drake has viral thing where he's yeah, playing Fortnite. Played with a, like, number one streamer, a guy named Ninja. But, like, everybody is playing Fortnite. I'm surprised that yeah. Conan hasn't done that.
0: But it's, it's real fun. They're like eight, nine minutes apiece. And uh, especially if you know those games, you go through just big titles. It's kind of fun. Aaron Rodgers plays Asa- uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. Okay. Nice, and uh, other non anything unclassifiable thing is a podcast, but only because I know you guys talk about Ugly Delicious. Yeah. Dave Chang, he's got a new podcast, Dave Chang Show, uh, starting on the, like the Ringer Podcast Network, and it's really entertaining. The first thing he's doing is a, a series of things going into opening a restaurant called Major Domo in L.A. and like what goes behind all those things, like how do you assemble a crew, how do you like, it, what went into him choosing that spot, choosing the menu, and it's as it was happening. So he's, like, there's, like, an arc. He's super anxious and, like, self-defeating because that's kind of part of it. And then, like, he kind of gives up and and starts to get a little more optimistic and is just, like, going through all the stuff that sucks about it, but all the things he really loves about opening a restaurant. And it's kind of, like, we're all kind of Food Network fan and food celebrity fan adjacent yeah Uh, it was interesting to see that that part of it so I recommend it it's a a fun listen
2: cool I like David Chang he's becoming he's always been a little bit of a megalomaniac but I think that all like celebrity chef uh, restaurateurs are Um, I think you have to be to put your face forward in front of your craft but yeah, I like him a lot. If
0: you're going to be a brand, you're going to have that. But he's also like he he acknowledges that part of him. Yeah,
2: and then it's like ridiculous and bullshit that anyone knows his name. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> cool. But uh, yeah, that's everything I've seen, listened to, and uh, YouTubed. <laughs> well, mostly.
2: I don't. I don't disparage YouTube stuff. That is most of what I watch. Yep.
0: Yeah, so. Um, that ends what we've been watching. Uh, do we go into reality roundup?
1: Which yeah. Is that
0: also what we've been watching.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need like a little... I don't know, like a little twangy, like maybe some horses galloping. <laughs> that's what I want for... <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Reality roundup time. Yeah!
2: <laughs> uh, Survivor this week. Yeah, This is an interesting
1: format for an episode. Yeah. Double elimination episode. I'm kind of torn how I feel about the 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 gimmick this week of splitting them into two tribes on the one hand I don't love that of just like messing with people's games a ton but I also I don't know it's it's a way to shake up power structures and if in theory um, I think they just got
0: a little unlucky for how randomness broke out Yep. it's like uh, you still have the the dominant tribe being dominant in both and both uh, which I guess that was you know Statistically, more likely to happen.
2: But then you also had the the dominant secret alliance all on one one squad. Yeah. yeah. And you had the two lowest, lowest hanging fruits on both. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in,
1: in Jenna and in Michael. You know, Michael's been such a target for a while that... I think everybody was just genuinely afraid of how much everybody likes Michael. How likable he is. Yeah. And so... Uh,
0: you see it at the end like Michael gets voted out and everyone's hugging him it's like dude you played a hell of a game Yeah. But while Jenna is on the jury like they didn't hug me <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's a reason for that
1: yeah also Jenna so my favorite my favorite thing from the episode was probably Jenna's comeuppance when it comes to like just she really thought she was you know, harping about how Donathan was an idiot and how she yeah. was going to play him and how she just had the smuggest look. And she she walks into Tribal Council and basically like, let's vote. It's like the shortest Tribal Council. She overplays her position that, like, she needs to be saved so bad. Yeah.
0: That I, I, super credit to Donathan. I didn't know, I guess, how they edited it. I didn't know if he was going to end up falling for it or not because I just don't have that great of a feel for Donathan outside of, like, the... H- Tell his, nice
2: parts, yeah. Yeah,
0: outside of his relationship with like uh Laurel. Laurel and uh, Wendell and Dom. Like kinda independent how is he reading people? And he did a great
2: job. The dude has great I instincts. Was, yeah. I
0: like almost I almost clapped when he said I'm gonna play it for
1: myself.
2: Yeah. yeah. I sat there on the couch how he was cooking and I just like looked at the TV and I go, Fuck you. Fuck you, trying to double cross Dante because she called him stupid. Yeah. yeah. Like she's like, Oh, he's so stupid. I've got him completely fooled. Yeah. And then they cut to, like, a Confessional of Donathan where he
1: goes, like, I've got an idol in my pocket, and I am not leaving without playing it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess it could be argued that he, he didn't play it, like, he, he misplayed it. But at the same time, once those tribes were drawn the way they were, he is clearly in the minority there, so he needed to play it. Like, yeah. the, well, minute, think, the minute that drew the buffs, he was he, it should have been in his head, either I have to win immunity, or I'm playing my idol.
0: Well, I think, I was trying to think back on it. I think he saved himself by playing it on him because and this is this happened a couple of days ago if he did, if he put it on Jenna then he would have been tied with someone else for the most it number of votes was one, it was 1-1 one, one, But it would three. have been tied so if they would have re-voted I think he would have gone
2: down. But Brent means that had he not played it at all at all. Oh okay. Had he saved yeah, 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 yeah. But it's also like he does also have to play it then because the entire tribe knows he has it. Yes. True.
1: Yeah. Cuz yeah. he clear he, the deck. Yeah. So I think he did the exact... I think he made the, the right move in the game. He, yeah. I, I'm, I'm becoming a fan of Donathan. There's a lot of people on the show this season that, I, that I'm a fan of. I like their games. You know, I, I just don't like the people who aren't making... Who aren't, like, trying, it seems like.
2: Like, Chelsea yeah. and um, Amanda. Is it Amanda? Is she the, the, the vet? What's her the name? No, uh, Angela. Angela. Wow. Uh, but yeah, and Chelsea, Angela, Sebastian,
1: like the three of them, I just could care less. I mean, that is a, those three should want to be sitting next to each other for the final three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sebastian started, like just started talking about like his game. It's
2: like, what fucking game are you playing? Last week we postulated that maybe Sebastian is sticking around because he's doing a lot of like fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did talk about like, Oh well, let's
1: get these coconuts and let's like do like blah 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 with the food. So maybe he is involved in that. So apparently, someone has already figured out that uh, Chelsea now holds the survivor record for fewest on-screen confessionals for anyone who's ever made it to the final eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like one all season. <laughs> oh, wow, she just hasn't done anything. No. It's one thing to play... She also, that probably just means... It's not just that she hasn't done anything. That probably also means that she's bad at talking to a camera.
0: Yeah, because it's one thing to play a, a, your game close to the vest where you're not on camera mm-hmm. talking to a bunch of people. But, like, you could, like, by yourself talk to a camera and that's the reason you're on Survivor, <laughs> right? Is to be on TV.
1: <sighs>
2: yeah, uh... And really got to see, uh, Kellen's True Colors. Oh, man. She... It's, it is slipping away from she her. She broke down. Yeah. The, she, she talks about how, like, paranoid Laurel's been getting, but it's... <laughs> nope. It, yeah.
0: A little, uh, displacement there.
2: Yeah. I, I think that, I think that, I think it's a symptom of the previous Tribal Council where she was the linchpin in figuring out whether or not one whole group of people were lying or the other whole group of people were lying, led by Desiree.
1: Um... And I think that, that her confidence is just too shook. It's gone. Yeah, she's she is, too, she is a loose cannon and not in the traditional sense of that term. And usually, loose cannon is the, the on Survivor is the type of person who you can't trust because they're always looking to make big moves. This is the person who just they have so little of a grip on what is happening in the game. Yeah, that you cannot rely on them. She's, I mean, it's. I think they're gonna have to cut her loose pretty soon. Yeah. Because <clears throat> yeah.
2: It would've been nice if they could've made a play through Kellen to keep Michael. But Michael's dangerous to have near the end of the game. Yeah. Uh and
0: and is you know, not to jump to the scenes from next week, but you also like you got other people there that they're saying like Michael has to go immediately. We don't want to be dictated to that this is what's going on. It's kind of a, a bone thrown that way.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can you can tell the Sebastian Angela Chelsea brigade like Desiree wanted Kellen gone. Like we think that that's a good call. You know, she was trying to boss you guys around. I
1: still think <clears throat> the the key player for the season for the for the the last eight votes or whatever is going to be. I think it's Laurel. Laurel. I, I think yeah. Laurel is the key player. And, and by key player, I don't necessarily mean that she's going to win. I just think that her decisions are going to dictate the end game. Yeah. I think that she has to make a move at some point. Also, Donathan and Wendell... Uh, not I'm sorry. Dominique and Wendell probably need to make a move against one another at some yeah. point. But they, not yet. They started laying that seed this previous episode. Yeah. And, and I think both of them will be okay with that. And they both respect that. And they I think they'll both, to an extent, see it coming. I could see Wendell getting a little blindsided by it, maybe. But Did you see a little bit of it in the, uh, uh, the immunity challenge? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have kind of always had that vibe. It's like the very friendly rivals, yeah, um, yeah, who work together because they just they don't want to be the isolated threat. Yeah, I think I think Wendell's probably got more pull to
2: blindside Dominic, but I think that Dominic is probably a better player. I think that, that Wendell's social game is probably a little better. Dominic seems to carry himself as like camp dad.
0: Yeah, I also think he's he's too big. In personality and in influence, I think, to last that much longer, in my opinion.
2: He spent the and first, like, few weeks being, mm-hmm. like, the big talked-about person making moves. Mm-hmm. That To then let him con- continue to do that for the final eight weeks, I think, is folly. Yeah. Every-
0: and everybody knows, you know, he's pulling all the strings and stuff, and I think we're going to start to see that imploding the next couple weeks.
1: And also, nobody... It is generally a younger, like single, more single cast this year, and I don't think a lot of them are going to be want to sit next to a father of two at the final tribal. Yeah. Mm. So that's a good point. Then again, though, Wendell Wendell would scare me with the way Wendell is playing really well at Tribal Council. Mm-hmm. Wendell is having fantastic Tribal Councils every week because he is mentioning jury members and that has been a tested and true strategy over yep. the years he talked he talked about how how Limby got blindsided you never yeah. know who gets blindsided called <laughs> like, her an innocent bystander yeah
2: innocent bystander she went home you know with one vote against her
1: like yeah. it was that goes back to Cochran uh, who uh, always said that that's a big stri- that's the most strategic thing you can do at tribal council other than voting is uh, include jury members in you, because the rules prohibit you from talking directly to them, but you can talk about them, and talking about them in a respectful way mm-hmm. is—it uh, really makes them still feel part of the game.
0: Yeah, you
2: validate them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the jury's not allowed to talk to the cast either, are they? Right. I know. I know that rule's been broken before, but yeah, Wendell. Uh, but Wendell's doing that. He's. Uh, he's. He's playing. He's already. That just shows that his mindset is already preparing for that final trouble that's mm-hmm. why I think that I mean Wendell and Dom
2: know that the other has an idol but once the two of them flush out their idols I think they're gonna I think I think that's what's gonna happen is the next two next three tribals they're gonna lose their idols and then when it's down to five then we're gonna see Wendell go and we're gonna see Dom go because because if you're the rest of the castaways you can't look at the two of them and go we need just one gun you have to look at them and go they both need to go yeah
0: they're a package deal. You can't be sitting next to either one of them later.
1: Right. I think though. I think from Laurel's perspective though, she also needs to make sure that she doesn't become the big threat. So I think what she needs to do is, I think she needs to stick with the Coraline's for a bit more, take out one or two of the, of the sea bass trio. Yeah. And then well, ta- well, take out Kellan. Obviously, take sure, out Kellan. Yeah. And then take out one of those other three. And then Laurel should then use the remaining two of Chelsea and Angela to get down to four. With her and Donathan to take out Wendell and Dominic. Yeah, and then she needs to take out Donathan.
0: I'd be yes. I'd be kind of, at this point, scared of going, sitting next to Donathan.
2: Oh, yeah. I would be absolutely Especially afraid. he's got
0: one of the best stories at
2: the end. Yeah. He's got one of the best stories, and he's as important as Laurel about playing the vote. He's just been told by... Laurel, what some of the better moves are. And he's but got
0: one of the best cases for playing great social. Yeah. For, like, everyone gets along with him, and he can help take people out without anyone yeah. being mad at him. I
1: mean, I prefer sitting next to him to Dominic or Wendell. Oh, yes. sure, yeah. But, but as far as Chelsea or maybe I take out Angela, Laurel can beat Sebastian. The yes. At
2: the Laurel end. has beaten Sebastian and in every physical thing. And that's all Sebastian has gone Because it would
0: be for. one thing if Sebastian was knocking off these like immunity challenges and he's reward not. challenges. But he's not.
2: Now that Michael's gone, Sebastian might be third or fourth best physical competitor. Like, I don't know what his strength is. Except he's, I guess, like, helpful around camp. I'm, I'm just confused. He's like... We were talking about comparing him to Troyzan And... It's a hard comparison because Troy Zan had no strengths. And he was very clear about that. He was a number and he totally understood yeah. that that final three, that he
1: was just like, I'm just happy to be on TV. I wonder, if, I wonder if Troy Zan told, told the others with like 15 days left. He was like, hey guys, I realize you're all taking me to the final three. If you could just take me on some reward challenges, I promise I won't even put up a fight. Like, Can, can I just do some cool things while I'm here? Yeah. And if I can... Great, <laughs> I'd like to go on some helicopter
2: ride. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I I, just, I don't see what Sebastian is contributing to Survivor being an interesting show to watch.
0: Plus, I, I couldn't really see him articulating why he
2: should win in the end. <laughs> right. That's another reason. That's like science to me, fiction it. to me. Jeff Probst seems to get a kick out of talking to Sebastian at Tribal. <laughs> he like talks to like Sebastian, you've got a look on your face like you know you've got this figured out. And his response always is like, Yeah, you know sometimes you get the Tribal and it's all figured out.
1: <laughs> it's like it's like interviewing an athlete after a, after a sporting event. Yeah, yeah. Except every leading question, he just repeats the part that led him through the, the question. question. Yeah, I don't know. So you guys uh, won that challenge today. What was that like? Well, yeah, you know, we just uh, we were put on a team and uh, we won the challenge. So you know, it's just, you, it's. <laughs> I think you just really got to want it, and we really wanted it. We today. really wanted it. You got to take it one challenge at a time, really. <laughs> yeah, how many times have you said like? You know, every
2: tribal's different. You just got to take it day by day. Like, I, I don't know. He's, he's probably way, way more intelligent than I give him credit for. But I also said the same thing about ex-competitor of the previous season. The guy who I thought looked perpetually surprised by everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. Devin. Yeah, Devin. Whoa! <laughs> and Devin ended up being, like, a really important player in that game. So yeah.
1: maybe Sebastian's slow-rolling it and the editors are... Leading us to believe that he's not a threat when he is. It's still, one of my favorite moments of the season is when they're in the helicopter. And Sebastian's like, "I'm so high right now. It's so <laughs> cool." <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.
0: But still, really enjoying these. This run of uh, episodes of Survivor.
2: Yeah. Do you want to talk Chance for Stars? Or do You want to want to want to percolate a little bit?
0: I guess we we can percolate a little bit. It's we had uh, first someone go home of their own free will slash, you know, hitting uh, another competitor, things getting wild.
2: Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Hennessy, Cardi B's sister, who's Instagram famous, uh, not assaulted, but hit Devin, who's like one of the big, uh, you know, challenge pot stirrers. He's the guy who eliminated Johnny Bananas yeah. last season. Shit mm-hmm. kicker. Uh, he was basically like getting in her head, telling her she was disrespectful for being like a half hour, hour late every time they were supposed to assemble for like, you know the televised part of the show. Mm-hmm. Told her she was being disrespectful, so she like just like nailed him in the head with her sunglasses,
0: point and, blank, like threw and broke a pair of sunglasses against the back of his head. Yeah,
2: and then said that she felt threatened <laughs> and that they that being on the show brought out the worst in her, and so she left the show. Which is which was a really crucial time for her to not leave the show because they the stars for the first time had an advantage in numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. And then she just left the show. That's Cardi B's sister? Yes. And Cardi B is someone famous? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I said... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I've heard of her. I don't know really much about her, but... Yeah, I didn't know anything about... Stripper turned rapper. Yes. Yeah, that's... Bodak Yellow. Yeah, she makes money moves now.
2: Invasion um, of Privacy is a really good album. Like Cardi B's album came out. Mm-hmm. It's more than just one good song. It's...
0: A Hennessy's on it? No, oh, Hennessy does nothing.
2: Hennessy does That's right. She's she's a, she's an Instagram star, social media star. Yes, um, but yeah, nothing, but per-
1: nothing. Percolate after that. Yeah. Breezy on the streets.
2: I would I would want to co-opt the name for this week and say Yeezy on the Streets. Does, does all the shit going on with him count? Oh God. Have you been paying attention to any of the Kanye West
1: stuff? No. Oh wait, is it is it like MAGA related? Is I, slavery related? The newest one. <laughs> he he Aren't made they... the assertion
2: on TMZ Live, a YouTube show, that uh, so I, I don't know the exact quote, but it's I'm paraphrasing. Uh, not the important part though. Uh, Four hundred years of slavery. That sounds like a choice to me. Oh, I did hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, went on a, went on a rant about how like. Everybody's reality is constructed in their own minds, and slavery is a mindset. And if you like believe that you know racial discrimination is real, then you are a slave right now. It's your own making, and just like just he has entered a new age of philosophizing. Um, one of the guys at TMZ stood up and said, "Like you're ridiculous." Like, you don't live in the real world, we do. Yeah. Um, This shit's real, but we don't have to get into it because it's not really TV movies or anything adjacent. Uh, But But one day (laughs) there will be a TV movie made, probably. Yeah. He did like an hour long interview with Charlemagne the God. Uh, He's a famous interviewer from Breakfast Club. Not Mm -hmm. Breakfast Club. Yeah, he's Breakfast Breakfast Club. Club. Um, That's, it is interesting if you want a perspective on what is going on in Kanye's brain, you should watch it. It's about an hour long. Um, and the, uh, there he's, he's being so radical and all the shit he's saying that some people think that it is a publicity stunt because he is producing or co-releasing albums with about like seven people this month. Um, and it, I think it starts next week. All the releases, and it culminates like at the beginning of June with a new Nas album coming out.
0: Yeah, he's got a new Pusher T album coming yeah. out. He's got an album.
2: But anyway, I had that and Conan set for my uh, for my breezy. So now I'm done
1: with news. What do you guys got? I always do breezy off the top of my head. So nothing really. Uh, I feel like it's been slow. Yeah, John him accused
0: of murder. But we covered that last week, didn't we? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. That's not true. That was a ham from Toy Story. <laughs> was accused of murder.
2: <laughs> John Ratzenberger? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't really know anything. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. Well, do you want to talk about what's coming out in theaters next week?
0: I looked it up, but it looks pretty dire. As far as wide releases, we have two options. Life of the Party, where Melissa McCarthy goes back to college with her daughter. Yeah. It's like... Uh, back to school. Back to school. But <laughs> it's narrower than that. And uh, Breaking In, Gabrielle Union is a pissed off mom and people break in and she's got to, you know, kill the bad guys, I guess, save her family, something like that. Yeah. I like Gabrielle Union. But that's all I
2: see as far as wide release coming out. And then the movie, is it not a wide release? Revenge.
0: It says it's limited.
2: Huh. I mean, this also says that I can rent it on Fandango now, right now. That sounds limited. <laughs> um, but this is actually the one that I'm most excited about, and it's my pick if it is in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching trailers for this movie, but it is just that: it is the CEO invites his young girlfriend out to like this like hunting club, where she becomes the prey. Um, and it's just it's really cool stylized Uh, it's neon is one of the production studios and I like their indie shit that they do Um, don't read the the previews of it because it's all like Harper's Bazaar calls this like the feminist triumph of the century it's like eh. well that's
1: not really movie review (laughs) right for the life of the party I think I will say it has like a 5% chance to be great and a ninety-five percent chance to be unbearable. Isn't that a lot of Melissa McCarthy movies these days? Yeah, that's exactly why I'm, I feel like one out of every 10, 20 movies she does is is amazing. Like, and you can never predict. Like, Spy was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. And that. the Heat was really good. Yeah. And then she does a bunch of movies that all look the same in trailers. Like, Spy looks the same as all these other identity, movies she does. Not identity Theft. What was the one she did with Susan Sarandon? Well, she did do Identity Thief with Tammy. Tammy. Oh, Tammy. Tammy was
2: like bad, and it still has some good Melissa McCarthy jokes. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. She's got she's got bills to pay, I guess. So who knows if? They... Still the best
0: McCarthy working today. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny dropped the mantle, and Andrew is nowhere to be seen. <laughs>
1: um, so wait for the word of mouth on Life of the Party. Don't go. Don't just run out on Friday not to see that movie so does that mean that you're recommending Breaking In I'm recommending just try to find revenge if you can
0: (laughs) so I'll I'll go for that
1: not the movie just try to find revenge in your life (laughs) if you can and uh and exact it yeah
2: I'm gonna show these guys the trailer afterwards check out the trailer it's a good trailer
0: okay I'll vote that way too um sounds better than those other two movies I don't sound good. Although in limited release, a very David like movie is coming out, The Seagull, based on the Anton Chekhov play. It's got Sarsha Ronan and Annette Benning, and everyone's got period costumes on.
2: <laughs> but that's oh. that's very limited. <laughs> Took me a second to realize what you meant by period costumes. <laughs> <laughs> Do we you know we have a typical outro for this
0: show? Yeah. I think it goes a little something like this. This was Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on uh, Twitter, Gmail. we got Facebook stuff going on, and we won't take your data. Movies by us, TV by us, games by us, and our Facebook page. Love to hear from you, podcast topics, and uh, anything you want to talk to us about. Things you can do to help us. Subscribe, give us a rating, engage with us. And want to say thanks to Willow Walkers for providing the intro music. Thank you. And thanks to Boo Reefa for providing the outro music.
1: Boo Reefa.
0: And at this point, you pro- will have already seen Boo Reefa at Java Monkey. Yep. So tell them they did a great job. Yeah. And uh, that does it for this week's Talkie Talk. want to say thanks to you guys. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, Brent. Thanks, David. Thanks, thank you for coming. And thanks, Self. We did it all. Bye. Kicking rocks
1: down old dusty roads small town, slow folks, long time ago, kicking out records of all the things that I know, all the things that I know.